chapters five and six of biography of an american bondman by his daughter by josephine brown this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter five for now the ripened cane was ready for the knife and not a slave could be spared to aid his mother or his wife in the cotton districts the picking season is always the most severe for the bondmen for when they gather in the cotton the slaves are worked from fifteen to twenty hours out of the twenty-four the sugar-making season commences about the middle or last of october and continues from four to ten weeks according to the season and other circumstances but more especially the number of hands on the plantation and the amount of sugar to be made as soon as the cane is ready for harvesting the grinding mill is got in order wood hauled the boiling-house cleaned out the kettles scoured the coolers caulked and the casks arranged to receive the sugar before the cane is gathered in plants or sprouts as they are sometimes called are secured for the next season this is done by cutting cane and putting it in matlas or mattressing it as it is commonly denominated the cane is cut and thrown into different parcels in the field in quantities sufficient to plant several acres and so placed that the tops of one layer may completely cover and protect the stalks of another when the required amount is thus obtained the whole gang of slaves is employed in cutting cane and taking it to the mill the top is first cut from the cane and then the stalks cut as close to the ground as possible thrown into carts or taken on the backs of mules to the grinding-house as soon as it reaches the mill it is twice passed between iron rollers so that not a particle of juice is left in the stalk the former passing into vats or receivers while the trash is thrown into carts and conveyed from the mill and burned after the juice is pressed from the cane it is put into boilers and transferred from one to another until it reaches the last kettle or teach as it is termed the sugar has then attained the granulating point and is thus conveyed into the coolers which hold between two and three hogsheads it is then removed to the draining house after remaining twenty-four hours in the coolers and soon after is put into the hogsheads here it undergoes the process of draining for five or six days and is then ready for the market a second-rate sugar is always made after the first class is manufactured during the whole of this process the driver is never seen without a short-handled whip in his hand the lash of the negro whip is from four to six feet in length made of cowhide and sometimes wire plaited in with the leather the handle of the whip or the butt is not unfrequently loaded or filled with lead such is the process through which the sugar has to pass before it finds its way upon the tables of the people of the free states william shrank back at the thought of his brothers dragging out their lives upon a cotton or sugar plantation End of chapter five chapter six a bitter smile was on her cheek and a dark flash in her eye after remaining on the farm for a few weeks under the iron rule of the overseer william was again hired out to the proprietors of the steamer enterprise on the second trip of the boat's return from galena she took on board at hannibal 
a noted slave-trader named walker who had with him between fifty and sixty slaves consisting chiefly of men and women adapted to field service in this gang of slaves however was a young woman apparently about twenty years of age with blue eyes straight brown hair prominent features and perfectly white with no indication whatever that a drop of african blood coursed through her veins in describing this girl in the published narrative of his life mr brown says the woman attracted universal attention but it was not so much the fairness of her complexion that created such a sensation among those who gazed upon her finely chiselled features it was her almost unequalled beauty she had been on board but a short time before both ladies and gentlemen left their easy chairs to view the white slave throughout the day the topic of conversation was the beautiful slave-girl this young woman was the daughter of a slaveholder by one of his mulatto servants much anxiety was felt among the passengers to learn the history of this beautiful and innocent creature the trader kept near her all the time on the arrival of the boat at st louis the gang including the white slave was removed to another steamer bound for new orleans and the speculator no doubt on reaching the place of his destination sold this american daughter for a high price on account of her personal charms the steamer soon after being laid up for the remainder of the season william was once more taken home and employed as a house servant and carriage driver it was while acting in this capacity that a deed of cruelty was committed which is graphically described by mr brown in his published narrative while driving his master's carriage to church one sabbath morning he saw mr d d page with whom he was well acquainted chasing one of his slaves round the yard cutting him at every jump with a long negro whip mr page seeing the truthful charges of mr brown published employed the rev dr a bullard a pro-slavery negro-hating clergyman formerly of the north but now of st louis to refute the charge which the doctor attempted to do in a series of articles published in the columns of northern pro-slavery papers of his own denomination but the presbyterian d d instead of mending the matter for his patron made it worse and caused the public to regard himself as a miserable tool mr page has since failed in his banking business and swindled his creditors out of large sums and has no doubt lost the misplaced confidence of his renegade theological friend haskell the overseer experienced religion about this time and joined the dunkards a religious sect located at the southwest who baptized by immersion dipping their converts three times the overseer being an unprincipled scamp noted for his drinking propensities and for cheating all with whom he dealt a large number of persons assembled to witness the baptismal ceremony performed on the negro driver some of the blacks are very superstitious and are of opinion that the lord will answer their prayers in any case when they ask for the extermination of bad men so the day that the overseer was led to the pond to have his sins washed out not less than nine of the oldest slaves went on their knees and prayed that the cruel negro driver might not come out of the water alive 
among the crowd that had come together was old peter swite who kept a dram-shop and who complained that haskell owed him several dollars for drink but which the overseer denied as john mason the minister pulled the negro driver up after dipping him the third time old peter took his pipe from his mouth and cried out at the top of his voice douse him again john he's a dirty dog i know him well he never pays his debts so the minister either forgetting himself or really thinking his new convert needed the fourth dip put the sinner once more under the water this last plunge came near drowning him for the man of god was much exhausted and was scarcely able to lift the negro driver out of the water and the latter had taken two or three hearty drinks before he was drawn to the surface although the prayers of the slaves were not answered they nevertheless took great credit to themselves for the misstep of the minister that night the slaves on the whole plantation were in the highest glee the opossums that had been lying in the frost were taken down and baked with sweet potatoes and every voice ascended to god either in prayer or in song for the half-success of their prayers at the baptism End of chapter six